Hey, welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. Before we jump in, I have a question for you. Have you reserved your seats yet? We've got Christmas in Nampa coming up. It's a fun church family tradition we have every year before Christmas. We get together, sing Christmas songs with candlelight and hot cocoa while we hear the story about our Savior. It's a great time to bring the whole family and friend group to. Make this your family tradition as we have Christmas in Nampa. You can get all the info and reserve your seats on Facebook or the church website. Now, let's jump into the message. fun privilege of being out away from cell phone service for a whole week. You guys excited about no cell phone service? <laughs> Come on. You need to find a place in your life where you can get free uh, of, of the, the, the ball and chain on your life called cell phone. You got to get away from it. But when I, when I got home, uh, I got onto um, the glorious interweb and, um, and I, I discovered some news and I just want to share, you probably already know this news, but I just want to share this news with you. And um, so I, I just want um, Jordan Boone, would you stand up real quick over here? Come on, Jordan Boone. So, so this, this week, this young man, uh, he asked this, this young lady, Kirsten Kenny, would you stand up right here? Uh, all right. They got engaged this week and they're getting married September 5th. We love love. <clears throat> Congratulations, guys. We love you. H- happy for you. You can be seated. I just had to, I had to say something. So <clears throat> the beauty of the interweb is you get to see who got engaged. Ah. But um, it's good. Um, in, in this series, uh, we're talking about the 2C that God sees. And, and really, God sees beyond just what the, the circumstances that we see in front of us. God has a plan for this valley. He has a plan for your family. He has a plan for this church. Uh, it's God's desire that the church, not just this church, but every church in our valley would be thriving. Like it's God's desire that every single individual in our valley would come to know Jesus Christ. Like that's God's plan, that there would be hope and a future in the hearts and minds of every child, of every single mother, of every grandparent in this valley, that they would all know the love and kindness of Jesus Christ. That's God's plan. And, uh, And his desire is that the church would be the mechanism to accomplish that. I got seven people that believe it. But, but I want you to know the hope of the world is, is Jesus Christ through the local church. Like that is his bride that he left to accomplish his mission and his goal. It is the church. And I want you to know that this valley needs strong, thriving churches. <clears throat> if we filled every single church auditorium in this valley multiple times every Sunday, we would just put a dent in the population of this valley. I'm saying we're not in competition with the church down the road and they're not in competition with us. What I'm saying is that we're all on the same page, marching to the same beat, to the same drum, for the same Savior, in the same army, reaching the same people. Sometimes churches get in this zero-sum game where we think if, if, if this church grows, then that church shrinks. If this church shrinks, that church grows. And that's not the case. I want you to know that the, the reason I brought up the, the influx of people into our valley is to broaden your mind for a moment to realize that God is doing something incredible in this place, that he wants to transform lives in this place. 
And, and we're just one, we're just one of, of many churches that, are, that he's using to accomplish his goal. And we, we want to come alongside the, the other churches. I mean, like, come alongside and, and make a difference. Um, I, I think it's beautiful in this valley that the level of unity the churches have. I, in, in good, pastors are in good community in this valley. You go to some places and the pastors don't talk to each other. But you come here and we all know each other really well. So if you come to our church and you talk about another pastor, just know that I'm probably his best friend. And uh, <laughs> you probably shouldn't be talking about him. The, the truth is, is that God has a plan, and his plan is not that we would be divided. His plan is that we would be united under one cause, under one mission, and that is to reach and to save the lost. It's not for us to be another social organization. It's not for us to do another potluck, and we love potlucks, but the goal is to reach the world. And here in this local body, we, we just believe that like, it, like if you're part of this church, then the mission of this church should be your mission in life. That, that's how we believe. And, and around here, we, we believe that God's plan is a church filled with people that are loving God, that are loving people, and that are changing the world. <clears throat> Like, that's, that's the desire. Like, that's my, my home's mission, too. I don't just make that, like, my church life, my home life, business. Like, for my house, my goal in my house is that my kids would love God, they would love people, and they would change the world. <clears throat> like, that's my goal. Like, in your business, your business, your, your goal, like, like somehow bring, make that apart. Like, your world doesn't need to be fractured. Understand that it is God's vision and his mission, that you would be able to experience God, that you would be able to know him in a loving relationship, not just intellectually, but that you would experience his love. Now, like here in church, that's what we're doing every single Sunday. We're talking about the love of God. I, we, we want people to, to experience the presence of God every single Sunday here. That's why we, we emphasize worship, and that's why I want you to respond to worship. And, and, and that's, that's what we're, we're aiming for, is for people to experience the love of God. <clears throat> it's something around 90% of people gave their life to Jesus Christ in a church service. <clears throat> In a Sunday church service. Let's just do a quick poll around the room. If you gave your life to Jesus in a Sunday service, why don't you put your hand up? <clears throat> Look at this. There, there's, there's a group of people. The rest of you, we know we just need to pray for you more. <clears throat> but the truth of the matter is, is that that's our greatest goal on a Sunday. We want, you to, we want you to be inspired. We want you to have some of the burdens of this week lifted off of you. But ultimately what we want is for you to encounter a Savior. We want you to encounter Jesus on a Sunday. And, and, uh, and so that's why we give a call. We'll give a call for someone to give their life to the Lord. And, and that's why sometimes we don't even give a call. We just know that the atmosphere is there. Because here's the deal. Giving your life to Jesus is actually not words that you say. It's a transformation of the heart. It's a continual posture towards God that does not stop saying, I'm going to follow him and make him the Lord of my life every single day of my life. The second thing we do around here is we, we, uh, we love people, and, and we believe this is God's purpose for this valley, is that, that there would be people who really love each other. <clears throat> We're the most divided state in the union. You know that. <clears throat> uh, I, I say this often, but, but I think it's important for people to understand. We, we are very divided. Idaho's very divided. We're, we're the, the only state with two time zones. Like, I never left the state this week, but I was in a different time zone. 
this is the this is a state where where like in all intents and purposes there are three capitals of our state. There's Boise, which is sort of the capital of Southwest Idaho. It's the, it's the the political center, but the truth is, is that for Northern Idaho, Spokane is the capital, and for Southeast Idaho, Salt Lake City is the capital. <clears throat> uh, we're, we're one of the only states that when, when somebody refers to where they are ge- geographically, uh, when, when somebody from, from Northern Idaho says, I'm from Northern Idaho, they don't mean I'm from the north part of the state. They mean I am not from Southern Idaho. Like, don't mistake it. Don't get it wrong. Like, I'd be below the forest, when, 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 when the green trees turn brown and sandy, I don't live there. That's what they're saying. <clears throat> and when people from eastern, southeastern Idaho, when they're from Pocatello, they say, I'm from southeast Idaho, they're specifically saying, I am not from Treasure Valley. My point is, is like this is a state that is very divided. Like, 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 like it, it, it is a place that has been plagued by church splits over and over and over again. Stick around this valley long enough and you'll discover that just about every single church you attend will have had at some point some some form or some experience of a fracture. And the reason is because there is this onslaught against unity in this valley, in this in this area. And, and I want to say that it is God's desire that the two C would be united. It's God's desire that the church would be united. It's God's desire that homes would be united. It's God's desire that his people would live in community together. So that's why we do groups around here. It's not because we're trying to be cliche and have some cute program. The, the, the goal is this, is that, that when brethren d- dwell together in unity, that it is blessed by God, that it is, it is like the oil that comes down the beard of Aaron. It is like the dew from Mount Hermon, that it starts out with something small, but it eventually becomes large rivers, and it eventually becomes paths of water that can shape the course uh, of geography just just through people getting together so this is why we do groups when we say loving people we mean we want you if you're part of this church we expect you to at some point say you know what i give in i'm gonna get into a group because in the group, you're going to find a group. Maybe you want to really dig deep into the book of Matthew, and you're going to find a group that's going to dig into the word of God. Or maybe for you, you're like, I'm not ready to dig into the word of God, but I need, some, I need to work through some heart issues. And so you're going to find a group where you can do that. Or maybe you're like me, and you're like, I don't like to be vulnerable. So we're going to go mountain biking. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But the truth is, on that mountain biking experience or on that bow fishing trip, you're going to in, end up building friendships and relationships with people that will be like the dew from Mount Hermon. It starts out small, but eventually it becomes a relationship that God works through. Because he always disciples people through relationships. God disciples people in groups. Go through your New Testament. You'll discover that Jesus would go out of his way for the one to evangelize them, to reach them. He would, he would drop everything. He would drop the 99 for the one, but he never disciples one. He always disciples groups. So if, if you feel like you're somehow deeper than everyone else and you don't need other people to sharpen you, I want you to know that you're not doing it Jesus's way and you're probably more immature in the faith than you realize. Ah, ah, ah. I figured I had to make up for last week because last week, last week was kind of a bunt, so it didn't work out. I guess here's the deal. Like, pastor probably shouldn't preach the week before he goes hunting. 
I'm just thinking, okay, do I got my camera? Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter four, verse one. It says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. It's God's desire that you would live your life and that you would walk according to the calling that is on your life. What I'm saying is you are called by God for a purpose. God has a plan for you and it's his desire. Not that you would just sort of coast through life, but that you would walk worthy of the calling that that God has placed on your life. It's this idea of self-awareness, that this, like realizing what's really going on. You know, you know what I mean. When you were in when you were in elementary school, you you started becoming well, even before then. You started becoming aware of other people, and you started to learn to share, and you started you know beginning to learn how to have conversations, and then you started learning how to ask questions in your conversations because your friends don't enjoy it when you dominate a conversation. And, uh, and, and, and then somewhere along the line in junior high, I remember junior high, this, this moment of self-awareness in junior high. I, I remember I, I wore sweatpants every day to junior high. Every day. Why? Because sweatpants are awesome, and that's what you wear if you're a sports kid. <clears throat> and I would wear sweatpants every single day to junior high, and I didn't know what a stick of deodorant even looked like. <laughs> Have you ever been in a junior high classroom? You've been in a seventh grade classroom? <clears throat> that was me. Like I, like I was, I was, I didn't, I thought like, I, I still think like my sweat smells like tea. It's amazing. <laughs> and I remember sitting in a classroom and, and, and somebody's like sweet tea. No, that's diabetes. Okay. So, <clears throat> and, and I remember sitting in my classroom and I, I was just enjoying class in my, in my, my sweatpants and my, my rank armpits. And I remember the, the one, of, one of the pretty girls in class, her name was Caroline Drury, sat behind me. And I was like, oh, yes, Caroline knows what's up. <clears throat> and she says, oh, dear God, I wish I could breathe. <laughs> and at first I'm, I'm thinking, man, I, I, like, maybe, maybe, maybe it is stuffy in here. And I, I, she says it again, like, I can't even breathe over here. And she gets up and leaves. And, I, and in that moment, I had this, this epiphany. Like, I had this, 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 in this moment, I realized, ah. Oh, She's talking about me. So I went home and I was like, Dad, I, I, need, I need some deodorant. So my dad took me down to the store. We didn't have Walmart. We had uh, Superstore. And so you go down to Superstore and <laughs> it's the store. The, the colors of the store are white and yellow. It's like a hospital with yellow paint. Like it's terrible. And <clears throat> go in there and I get myself a, a stick of deodorant, come back to school all lathered up and then I soon had another moment of, of awareness when all the kids were like, oh, it smells like old spice in here. Like, it, it smells like, smells like old spice. And then I realized, like, old spice is what my dad wore, and it's not cool anymore. And so I got to find right guard or something. I got to find something else. <clears throat> then you go to high school, and you begin to, like, find some identity in, in a group or a crowd. And then you go into the into college and you begin to think like, this is who I'm going to be. And then you get into your twenties and you start thinking about who you're going to marry. These moments of like, like, am I going to be a good husband? Am I going to be able to be as successful as I'd like? And then you get into your thirties and you're working real hard and you think you've become something. And then you get in your forties and you're like, Oh dear God, I didn't do half of what I was supposed to do. Right? Like <clears throat> there's these moments of awareness that happen in our life. <clears throat> 
And I'm saying that in our faith life, Paul right here in Ephesians, he's saying, I I hope you have like this moment of awareness where Caroline Drury says, I can't breathe the air that's coming from your armpits. He's saying like, 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 I hope you become aware of the fact that you are called of God, like you have a purpose on your life and that you would live the kind of life that demonstrates that purpose. Because the 2C God sees is a 2C that's been recovered and redeemed and has been blessed by God. But the mechanism God uses to do that is you and I. And so if God's going to do something in our valley, if God's going to do something in our state, if God's going to do something in our country, he's going to do it through you and I. It's this idea of, of living a life that lives beyond us. Some might call it a legacy or someone might call it like a purpose. I would say it's important for us to live a life that goes beyond our lives. Because the truth is you're leaving a legacy whether you know it or not. You may not be leaving an inheritance, but you're leaving a legacy. For positive or for negative, you are leaving a legacy with every word you speak, with every action you take, with every conversation, with every affirmation you give somebody, you are leaving legacy. <clears throat> I went hunting this week and I had a wonderful time with, with my son. I, there's really, there's just nothing like having kids and being able to do just unscripted time with your kids. It's amazing. We get so adulted that we, we forget to slow down and just be a kid with them for a while. And uh, I was out hunting with him, and, and we got skunked. We saw lots of animals, but we didn't shoot any thinking we'd see a lot more, and the, the migration didn't really happen, so everybody's shooting the deer now. And <clears throat> while I'm in church. <sighs> but here's the deal. Here's the deal. While I'm, while I'm out there hunting, like, like I, I really, I may not have shot anything this year. My son may not have shot anything this year, but I had one of the best years of my, best hunting trips of my life. Because while we're up on a mountain, we were able to have a conversation wedged between a tree on the side of a steep slope. We're able to have this conversation that's deep and meaningful and powerful. We're both weeping and hugging. And, and I'm, I'm, t- I'm saying there's something more important than shooting a deer and it's leaving a legacy in your kids. It's leaving, leaving a legacy. I, I think when, when, when I'm thinking of this idea of like, uh, of living a life beyond ourselves, I, I think of these people right here. <clears throat> These people are, these are my, these are my parents. This is my mama and my daddy. And and I'm telling you, my earliest memories are of this woman right here praying. That's my earliest memories are of my mama turning beet red praying. And and some of my earliest memories are of my dad reading his Bible and the, and the encyclopedia. Anybody have like an old encyclopedia Britannica in your home back in the day? Now we got, we got it in our phone and we just look at squirrels. But, but, but they, they implanted something in me, just, just knowing how to pray. And, and I, I may not know everything they know, and I might not have experienced everything they've experienced, and they might leave me some money, and they might not. But here's what I do know. They left me a love for the house of God. They left me a prayer life. They left me a will, a desire to do the things of God in my life. Because you can live a life that the things you do are more important than what they are in the moment. Because for them, their legacy doesn't even come from them. Like, like go to the next picture. 
Like their legacy comes from this little canyon out, out in Kimberly, Idaho, just, just a little podunk canyon that, that looks like nothing with a little shack that was, that was wallpapered with newspaper clippings with no insulation. <clears throat> and in this little shack lived this woman right here <clears throat> who we call her great grandma Hattie, but the truth is at one point she was a young lady. And when she was a young lady, she encountered a preacher and when she met the preacher, she discovered that God could not just be around your life, but God could be in your life. Like he could be a part of your life. You could be filled with his spirit. And so this little cowboy homesteader woman, she decided to give her life to Jesus. And her husband did the same. And they, they began to pray and they began to seek God. And, and this woman, like, like she began to, to really search after the things of God. And all of her bazillion children began to give their life to the Lord. <clears throat> And what I'm saying is that this woman, this, this, this old-fashioned photo of somebody that's not even smiling, <clears throat> she's the one that, that as she began to read the Word of God, could barely read. Like, she was not an educated woman. She, she was not somebody of means or of wealth, but someone that said, I need something from God. And what she discovered in Acts chapter 2, verse 39, where it says, And this promise is to you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. She said, that's a promise for God, from God to me. That what I'm experiencing is not just for me, it's for my kids, it's for my kids' kids, it's for my kids' kids' kids. And what I'm saying is you can leave a legacy living in a little shack with newspaper wallpaper back in the middle of nowhere. And you can leave a legacy that now there are, there are missionaries around the world. There's, there's, there's churches that have been started in El Salvador. There are dozens of churches around the country pastored by her grandchildren there are, there are YWAM people around the world because of this woman. Like, like I mean, There are business people who give millions of dollars to the kingdom of God. Why? Collectively. Why? Because this woman had a heart for the house of God and she left a legacy that was nothing more than a shack in a canyon, but it was really a deep desire for God. Somebody's like, oh, you're just kind of trying to toot your own home. No, I'm not tooting my own horn. What I'm saying is you, you got to realize she's not old in this picture. She's a young woman. She's just somebody that says, you know what? I'm going to change my family history. We may have moved from Oklahoma to try to do a homestead, but we're going to give more to our kids than a little gravel pit and a homestead. We're going to give our kids a house of God in their heart. I'm telling some young parents or some people that just got, got engaged, leave a legacy. Like you can, you can leave something that's for your kids, 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 kids. When you get around us Yadens, we're, we're going to start talking about our family. <clears throat> we always do. And, and I know it annoys people. I know that. But here's the deal. You got to understand for us. We understand that we're living beyond just this person, that we're a part of a collective that is living for God. What I'm, what I'm trying to tell somebody today is that the 2C God sees is a 2C where, where some people say, you know what, I'm going to leave a legacy. As for me and my kids, we're going to plant our roots deep in the house of God. As for my children, I'm going to teach them how to pray. As for my kids, I'm going to teach them how to read the Bible. I'm going to show them how to, how to open the word of God. As for my kids, I'm going to, like, that's the kind of see that God works through. Place where people say, I, I know that I'm leaving a legacy. I'm going to leave a legacy that's positive. I'm trying. Hey, that's just page one.
legacy or, or, or get, being a part of the two seed that God sees is, is, is deciding in your heart, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give to something that outlives me. I'm going to be a part of something that's bigger than my life, that's bigger than my career, that's bigger than my circumstances. <clears throat> I want you to know that God has given you talent and he's given you influence and he's given you resources and he's given you relationships and you can leave a legacy in this valley if you leverage your life for the house of God. I mean, I think about our volunteer teams, <clears throat> people coming in every single week. Tyson, I know you were here this morning. Like, I don't even have to guess you were here this morning because you posted on Facebook at about six in the morning. <laughs> I saw it three minutes later. And, and here's it. <laughs> But, but here's the deal. I, I know he was here early, and I know there's other people here early, and I know there's people practicing last night, and I know that people showed up and put up all these chairs, and they put up, and somebody's like, yeah, but that's not any kind of legacy. No, you don't understand. Like a temporary house of God was God's plan for the children of Israel for a season. But it was a legacy that was left, and what was established in the temporary house was built in the, in the permanent house. <clears throat> I just want to say for all of you that are living a life beyond yourself and you serve and, and you give and, and you pour into other people, like, good job. You're making a difference in others' lives. <clears throat> like, like every person that goes and, and serves with the kids' ministry and they're teaching little kids on a Sunday, like, I, I know that's difficult. I don't have the patience to do it, but I'll tell you what, there are hundreds and hundreds, of, there's thousands of kids around the world who gave their life in Sunday school. In fact, most people give their life to Jesus before they're 14 years old, and I I would just say it is because of Sunday school teachers living a life of legacy. It may look like packing in crafts and snacks, but it's a life of legacy. Like showing up every single Sunday, Warren, every single Sunday without fail to set up the Sunday school room so that both the nursery and the, and, and the children's ministry are all set up. Like that's leaving a legacy. <clears throat> It may look like floor mats and it may look like dividers and it may look like signs on the wall, and, but, but what it really is is little hearts that are being shifted and turned and molded and shaped for the kingdom of God and that leaves a permanent impact in our valley. <clears throat> we grow as a church. We grow because we serve together, not because the music is good or the preaching is decent. Like We grow because we serve together. That's what causes the church to grow. <clears throat> like social media, like our social media team, uh, you guys are ridiculous. You guys saw the, you, some of you saw the video we did last week. So embarrassing, right? So embarrassing. But, but here's the deal. <clears throat> here's the deal. <clears throat> I'm not, I'm not going to show it again. <laughs> Only once in the house of the Lord. Uh, after, uh, a second time I'll get in trouble. <clears throat> But here's the deal, like how many of you either discovered our church or found out about our church or, or talked to somebody that showed up through social media or, or the internet or something like that? Like, like at some point, you, you've seen stuff on the internet, right? And here, here's the, the point, is that, is that by you just posting things on social media and you updating the Instagram account, you're changing lives. Like, like somebody saw that, that review that you took the time to put on the, like this sounds so ridiculous. I'm, I'm telling you that what you do 
is not about the moment. Like, like when, when you put that review on Google about the church, it's not just like you saying like, oh, I love my church. What it is is somebody who is desperate in need of life change. They didn't know where to look. They didn't know a Christian. So they got on their computer and they just Googled church in Nampa. And when they did, there showed up your little review that said, my life was changed. I was addicted to drugs. I was struggling. I'd gone through divorce. I came to the house of God and it changed my life forever. <clears throat> I'm saying your review can leave a legacy. Like, like, like I'm saying the things you do impact the waves beyond what you're doing now. You can live a life that outlives you, live a life that is beyond you. Most of us just live this reaction-based life where we say, I, I really would love to do stuff, but, but I just can't do it right now. I'd love to serve in the house of God, but I just, I'm just so busy right now. I, I'd love to give to the kingdom of God, but I don't have enough to give right now. And what I'm saying is we can live a reactionary life that's based on all the problems around us. Or we can live based on principle that says, you know what, I, I've decided I'm going to live for God, and I'm just going to plod forward living for God every single day of my life. It's going to live for God. And some days that's going to look really amazing, and some days it's going to look pretty bland. But the truth is the consistency of someone taking steps in a, in a singular direction over time is the difference between standing still and getting where you're going. All right. There we go. And now to my message. I'm okay. First Kings chapter 10 says this, now the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord and she came to test him with hard questions and she came to Jerusalem uh, with a very uh, great uh, retinue and I think I didn't include this next part because it's wordy, it says with camels bearing spices and with very much gold and precious stones and she came and she, and when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind and Solomon answered her all of her questions and there was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba had all had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, and their burnt offerings that he offered in the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. Another translation says she fainted. <clears throat> it's at this point that she it says... She says, the half was not told to me. Why? <clears throat> like, I, I'm not saying that this is a kingdom, and I'm not saying I'm a king, but I'm trying to pull something out of this for you. She came to the house of, or she came to Solomon's kingdom because she was told of Solomon's wisdom. But when she came there, what made her faint was not his wisdom. What made her faint was the way his cupbearers served, the way the people in his house were happy, the way that his servants loved each other, the way, the way they offered sacrifice to the Lord. It wasn't Solomon that made her, her faint. It was his people that made him faint. It was everyone together that made her faint. What, what I'm saying is people, I'm not saying I'm a king, but, but the point is when people come to church, they usually come to church because, ah, you got to hear this preacher. He preaches with enthusiasm. Like he sweats when he preaches. It's amazing. You got to hear this worship team. They're just incredible. Like they're always doing the newest songs and they do it with excellence. And they just, the sound is like, you would be shocked at how good they make the sound in this terrible room. <laughs> Which thank you. You guys are doing a fantastic job. 
But what people are shocked by isn't the preaching because they expect if they go to a church that the preaching is going to be decent. And they expect if they go to a church, the music should be halfway decent. But what shocks people is when all the people in the church are saying, I'm all in for legacy life. I'm all in to make a difference. That's what blows people's minds. It's not the individual. It's not some preacher with breathing fire. It's people that are just like you come in the door and somebody, there, there's this, this man with a cowboy hat that comes and greets you. And you see, you see him just grab your, your wife and he's like carrying your, helping your wife get up there. And you're like, what in the world? Who's this, this gentleman in Idaho? What in the world? Like, like you get inside and there's free coffee and that's amazing. Like, it, and, and then you come in and people are talking to you and people want to know your name and people walk with you down the hall. And then, then you get inside and people like, that's what makes the difference in someone's life. I'm saying, we can get in this mindset where we say, oh, like just serving it. Like, I don't want to be on first impressions. That's not really like in the spotlight. It's not making a difference. No, it is what leaves a legacy. It is what made the queen of Sheba faint. Is people saying, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get involved in the house of God. I'm gonna do whatever is required with every bit of excellence I can give it. That's what makes all the difference. <clears throat> That's what makes all the difference. <clears throat> Because here's the deal, my Muslim friends say this, when they introduce me, and some of you are like, you have Muslim friends? Yes, I have Muslim friends. And when they introduce me to their other Muslim friends, they say, Roger is a priest. He's a priest. But here's the deal, they don't understand, like they don't understand that I'm not a priest. And I think sometimes we Christians don't understand that I'm not a priest. I'm a pastor. Totally different thing. A priest is a mediator between you and God. A priest is someone that you go to to bring your petitions to God. That's not what a pastor is. A pastor is a shepherd. My job is not to tell you, my job is not to be your connection to heaven. My job is to shepherd you on your way to heaven. My, my, my job is to set course and direction. That's what a shepherd does. A, a, a shepherd is someone that just leads, that helps. In, in fact, 1 Timothy chapter 3 would say that, that, that the pastor is an overseer. That's the role. It's not a priest. It's, it's not a priest. It's an overseer. It's someone that's saying, hey, hey, let's go. Let's move in a direction. Let, let's all go forward. My job is to train you and equip you how to live the life. It's not to live the life for you. And what changes the world is a church that is lit on fire with this biblical concept called a kingdom of priests. And what that means is none of you are relying on one individual to get you to heaven. Instead, every single one of you are filled with the power and the fire and the presence of God. And yes, there are roles in the body of Christ. And yes, there are shepherds that lead us and give us direction. But every single one of us has the same authority with God. That's, that's my job. And so what I'm saying is like, like the shepherd can set course and he can set direction, but it's up to the sheep how fast we get there. The pastor can set vision and the pastor can say we're headed somewhere, but it's up to the church to decide how quickly we get there. Like, like I could say this, I could say I would love for us to not have to set up and tear down every single week. Because I would. But the truth of the matter is, it's up to the people in the congregation to determine how quickly we get there. Because we can, we can budget the finances and we can do that and it can take us 30 years and we'll get there. Or we can have people in the church that say, let's just get there in, in just a short period of time. <clears throat> I'm, maybe I'm trying. <laughs> See, you interrupted me earlier. Now you're, now you're shouting me down, girl. 
Here's what it says. <clears throat> well, I'm actually not going to include that. I'm just going to say this. There's two questions that you're going to be asked when you get to heaven. As, as a shepherd, as someone that's, it's not my goal, it's not my job to get you there. It's my job to prepare you. There's two questions. First question is this. What did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? That's the first question you're going to hear. What did you do with Jesus Christ? <clears throat> the problem is we get so, we get so distracted by the, by the things of this world that, that we don't make him the center of our life anymore. We get so, we get so distracted by, by even the things we're not supposed to do that we, we, we don't make him the, the goal, the circle, like the centerpiece. Uh, Genesis chapter three, we see Eve and she, she's talking to, to the serpent and she says a few things wrong. But one of the things that she says wrong, and really it's Adam's fault because the Lord put the tree there before Eve ever showed up. <laughs> For all of you that want to blame the ladies. <clears throat> but one of the things she says is this. She sa- the serpent says, you know, has, has, hath God said? And she says this. He said he can, he, she says, we can eat from every tree of the garden except the one in the center of the garden. And God never said it was in the center of the garden. How does a tree become the center of the garden? It becomes your reference point. It becomes your focal point. Wherever you are in the woods, that suddenly becomes the center. Because we, we're such self-centered people that whatever we're focused on becomes the center of our world. And, and so when God says, like, you just need to avoid one thing in your life, now all she's thinking is about that one thing, and that one thing now becomes the center of her world. And how many of us allow other things other than Jesus Christ to become the center of our world? Other things replace him in priority. And I'm, I'm saying, like, the first question you're going to get is this. What have you done with my son, Jesus Christ? And the, the answer shouldn't be, well, but you don't understand. There was this tree in the middle of the garden. No, the answer is, like, I fell in love with Jesus Christ. Yeah. Fell in love with him. Here's what I wanted to use. Matthew chapter 7 says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Judge a ministry based on prophecy, you might be missing the mark. And we casted out demons in your name. Judge your own spiritual walk based on whether you cast out demons or not, you might be missing the mark. And we did mighty works in your name. Judge your... your, your, your your skill in the kingdom of God by all the things you gave to, you might miss the mark. And he says, then I will say to them, uh, I will say, I will, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Because he's not so, like, there should be signs that follow you. These signs follow those who believe. In my name, that you know, there are there are things that should follow healthy believers, but those things are not the, the answer to the question. The answer to the question is, did you know him? 
Not did you understand a lot about the Bible? Did you give a lot to missions? Did you, did you cast out demons? That's not the answer. The answer is, did you know him? Gnosko, it means do you, do you know him? Not, not do you know about him, but do you know him? Like, like, you know who my wife is, but I know my wife. Like, like, like you, you know her, but, but I know things, like, I, I know the way she thinks. And, and I remember when I was younger, people would say they know the way their spouse thinks. And I thought, that's incredible. How do you do that? Do you, like, create an index chart or something? <laughs> that's how I think. I'm going to start, I'm going to start like, creating this graph on how she, no, but the truth is you spend time with somebody long enough and you know them. And what I'm saying is God is not looking for your talent. He's not looking for your perfection. He's looking for you to know him to just know him, to fall in love with him, to declare him Lord of your life. That means just falling in love with Jesus. And I'm telling you, the answer to the question, what did you do with my son, Jesus? It's I knew him. I knew him in the fellowship of his sufferings, the joy of the resurrection. I know him. Today, if you're here in this room and that's not your answer, I want you to know that in just a minute, I'm going to give you a chance to say, I want to know him. And the second part is this. The second question is this. What did you do with what I gave you? Did you know him? What did you do with what I gave you? Because there's really two judgments. The first is called the great white throne of judgment. It's white because it indicates the purity of God. It's this idea of whether or not you make it to heaven or you don't. There's a, I'm not going to read the passage. There's another judgment that's called the judgment seat of Christ. This would be 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The judgment seat of Christ where we are judged based on our works. <clears throat> and I would say, you can be saved, go to heaven but still not leave the kind of impact that God would desire you to live. Did you know, did you know Jesus? The next would be, what did you do with what you had? <clears throat> and I would say the way that we respond to what we had is to understand that it is in your giving that your life or that your faith life becomes tangible. It is in the giving of your time to other people that your faith life becomes tangible. It is in the giving of your talent that your faith life becomes tangible. And it is in the giving of your finance that your faith life is recognizable. This isn't a message on, on finance, but I just want to, I want to say like, we can pour our energies and our efforts into things that don't have eternal impact. I would, I would, like we can give to a lot of charities and we can be really good people, but are we making real difference? I, I would say like it's the fire test. Here's what it says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers and you are God's field according to, uh, uh, I'm going to jump down to verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, with silver, with precious stones, hay, uh, with wood, hay or straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Are the things that you're building the kind of things that can be burnt with fire? 
If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss. And this says, though he himself will be saved. This is not about your salvation, but only as through fire. The point is this, is that there are things in this life we can invest in that at the end of the days, they, they don't go with us. At the end of time, they just vanish. They're no longer important. They can be burnt by fire. And there are other things which cannot be consumed by fire. And I want to say today, are the things you're investing in giving you a reward or return on investment in this life? Or are they giving you an eternal return on investment? Like we love to do things with the church. We give, we, we, we help people. Like we're, 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 we do stuff with the school all the time. They're able to identify people that need help. We help them like all the time without even putting it on social. We just help them. <clears throat> but our goal is not just to like give people water. Like, like our goal is to see people's lives changed and turned towards heaven. Because we're looking for an eternal return on our investment. Like, like we can give people, we, we, can, we can help people, but we're, like, we're, we're doing a clothing drive for, for the school. Why are we doing a clothing drive? Because we're not just looking to get people warm and we want them to get warm. We want to see little lives turn towards heaven because that's what our city actually needs. That's what our city really needs. <clears throat> There's nothing that we can export from this house that can have the kingdom impact like an experience with God. There, there's nothing that we can send out, whether it's shoes or whether it's hat or it's water, that has anything close to the value of someone having an experience with God because an experience with God, it saves someone's past. It guides their present. It transforms their future. And so what I'm asking you today is this. Are you going to leave a legacy life? Are you going to choose to say, you know what? I, I choose to make an eternal difference with my life. A difference that lasts for generations. Like an old woman named Hattie. That none of you know about. But all of us adore because it's through that woman's prayers in a little shack that we, that we got something stuck into our family that says we want to know Jesus Christ. The power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. And I would tell you today, let's leave a legacy. Let's leave a legacy. Would you all stand with me? <clears throat> I said this earlier, I said, um, the first question that you're going to encounter at the end of your life, it's this question, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? And your answer can't be, I tried really hard. I was a really good person. I made, I made a difference. That's not the answer. There's only one answer that gets you through the door. And the answer is I knew him 
as the Lord and as the Savior of my life. And if you're in this room right now, and you're like, I just need to rearrange this because this is not the center tree in my life. I, I need to know him. If that's you in this place, I want you to know that you're gonna have a moment, just a second, to rearrange all of that. Because he's here and he's present. He wants to meet you. So all across the room, why don't we confess him as the Lord and as the savior of our life? And all of across all across the room, why don't we ask to know him? Father, Lord, right now, I, I realize I've strayed from you. And so I'm turning from my old past and from my old way. I'm turning towards you. I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross to pay for every sin that I've ever committed. So right now, I'm not asking that I would be a good person or to accomplish a lot of things, but right now I'm just asking that I could know him. Lord, I'm saying, come, be the Lord of my life. Know me, be my God. Thank you again for listening in. If you have a moment, we'd love to hear how God impacted you through this message. And we'd love your help by spreading the word, by rating, reviewing, and sharing the podcast. But more than that, we'd love to see you in person this Sunday. We want you to be a part of the family. If you want to find out more about Celebration Church or partner with us through giving, you can find us online at thecelebration.church or find us on Facebook. Let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.